precepts provide an expediency for sentient beings. Eight precepts surpass five precepts in reaching transcendence. Establishing precepts as an expediency for sentient beings. During the wonderful circumstances of the seven-day chanting retreat at Lingyan Mountain Temple, we lead participants to take the eight and fasting precepts. Why should we take the precepts? What benefits will we gain or miss by taking or not taking them? Let me briefly explain. As long as you listen attentively and do as instructed, you will reap real benefits of the Dharma from your Buddhist studies. Otherwise, you are merely planting good seeds for the next lifetime. The eight and fasting precepts are comprised of eight precepts followed by a fasting ordinance, making a total of nine precepts. If we then add the precept of forsaking all monetary possessions, that would become the ten Shramanera, Shramanarika precepts. Shakamuni Buddha, out of compassion for those who wish to join the monastic order, but are prevented by secular entanglements, which more or less is due to their lack of willpower to sever worldly ties, came up with various expedient solutions to suit sentient beings of different capacities. One of those solutions is the eight and fasting precepts. All other precepts require a lifetime commitment, but the eight and fasting precepts are only for a day and a night which is the shortest duration in observing precepts. Even so, you sow the seeds of liberation if you can abide by them. We do not practice Buddhism in order to attain wealth in this life and prestige in the next. That is just an expedient approach for those who lack in-depth knowledge of Buddhism and for those who have not yet in their past lives planted the seeds of virtue within the three jewels. If you are already equipped with good roots, merits and virtues, and all causes and conditions are appropriate, then what Buddha teaches you is how to escape from the cycle of birth and death, and only then would you ultimately be freed from the sufferings of transmigration. Otherwise, Regardless of how rich and prestigious your present life is, you cannot avoid the three sufferings, the eight distresses, and other endless forms of suffering. You pursue wealth and prestige, but sometimes they bring greater suffering than those generated from poverty. The general public believes that happiness comes from wealth and that poverty causes much suffering. Of course, poverty causes suffering, but do you know that wealth and prestige can lead to even greater grief? Even if you are as honorable as an emperor in the sentient world, you are still unable to resolve all the sufferings. Buddhism teaches one to eliminate suffering and escape from samsara, transmigration within the six realms. It is for this reason that Buddha developed the precepts, in Sanskrit, the Vinaya, which essentially teaches one to eliminate all evil doings, big or small, and practice all forms of kindness, regardless of the nature or size. This moral spirit of the Buddhist precepts is expressed in the saying, do not avoid any good deed 
because it is small. Do not commit any unwholesome action thinking it minor. The latter three of the eight precepts plus fasting. The eight precepts are the basic five precepts plus another three. The first of the latter three is do not adorn yourselves with accessories or cover your bodies in fragrant scent. In other words, females who have taken the eight precepts should not wear cosmetics because these precepts are intended for the monastics. Allowing you to retain your lay appearance and not shave your head, that is an expediency. But you must avoid wearing any makeup for this one day in which you uphold the monastic precepts. However, note that cosmetics are allowed in the five precepts. Do not feel uneasy for not wearing makeup. In India, females wear a wreath of flowers around their necks and dab their bodies with scented powder or ointment. Upon taking precepts of liberation and of renunciating desires, you should give up such things. Do not engage in or observe singing, dancing, and other forms of entertainment. This means one must not watch or engage in dancing and other entertainment as they hinder cultivation. This one-day monastic life requires the six mindfulness. Being mindful of the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the precepts, the virtues of giving, and the prospective joy of the deities. Matters of worldly entertainment are all obstructions. If you only take the lay precepts instead of the monastic precepts, then you do not need to uphold this requirement. Why? It is because observers of the lay precepts merely seek to retain their human form and not regress in reincarnation. The third of the latter three precepts states, do not lie on big and grand beds. Secular beings do not care for transcendence, so they sleep on the bed of the six mundane desires and cover themselves under the duvet of the seven emotions and live in delusion. A cultivator should not crave sleep. You must diminish this desire if you want to cultivate the way, because it is a prominent part of the five desires. It is said, wealth, lust, fame, food, and sleep are the five roots of hell. Craving for sleep is a root for hell. To refrain you from sleeping on a high and grand bed is to stop you from becoming too comfortable, which would only increase your desire for sleep. However, you cannot avoid sleeping altogether because you need the rest to replenish your body. How can you go without sleep? So, what should you do? Have the appropriate amount of sleep, but you should decrease the time you spend sleeping as you are practicing the way. A sutra text exhorts, sleep less during the three stages of the night. That is the meaning behind this precept. Finally, there is the precept of avoid eating at inappropriate times. What does this mean? It means you must eat at the appropriate time. That is before 12 midday. One second after 12 midday becomes the afternoon. If we would determine the time using a sundial, 
then a slight inclination of the shadow would indicate the passing of noon. Normally, we refer to noon as the period between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m., according to the 12 period schedule. No eating afternoon refers to precisely 12 midday. Why do we not eat afternoon? I will explain the underlying reasons some other time. The eight and fasting precepts are therefore the eight precepts plus the fasting precept. Repenting old evil deeds and avoiding new ones. The major difference between the eight precepts and the five precepts is not the additional three precepts, but is in the third of both sets of precepts. When receiving the five precepts, the presiding precept master will ask, can you observe the precept of no sexual misconduct? This means one cannot have sex outside of marriage. Otherwise, it is considered a breach of the precept. In fact, breaching any one of the five precepts could degrade your status in reincarnation. Humans have to uphold humane conduct and must not commit anything that is otherwise. To do so would render one into the likes of an alien or an animal. When a human plants the seed of an animal, he would unmistakably reap the fruit of becoming an animal. And that is severe. Whatever violations you have committed before you came across Buddhism are in the past. You were then living in delusion and ignorance. You simply need to repent for what you have done. Even in the mundane world, people are forgiven for their wrong doings, regardless of severity. If they repent, let alone in Buddhism, in Buddhism, even if you have committed serious misconducts, such as the five rebellious acts or the ten evil conducts, as long as you sincerely acknowledge and repent your mistakes, recite the Buddha's name, chant mantras, prostrate, and practice asceticism, known as enduring manata, then not only can all your evil karma be eradicated, but your blessings and wisdom would also be enhanced. Offenses are committed by the person. As the saying goes, he who attaches the bell, causes problems, is the one who must take it off. Hence, you can cleanse your evil karma, created in ignorance by sincere repentance. It's like when your clothes or your body become filthy. All you need to do is wash the clothes or scrub your body with soap to make them clean. Watch out though, although repentance can eliminate bad karma, you must not take it that since precept breaching can be rectified by repenting, we can commit more violations and simply repent afterwards. In the past, you committed those offenses out of ignorance, but now that you have knowledge of Buddha Dharma, you must not breach them anymore. Yes, you can still repent for your new offenses, However, that would be similar to squandering all your earnings inappropriately, like excessive gambling and eating. Without any savings, how are you going to survive during times of adversity? Similarly, if you practice Buddhism but do not abide by the precepts, 
then the merits and virtues you accrue will only be enough to compensate for your karmic hindrances. When will you be able to end the cycle of samsara and to perfect your blessings and wisdom? You must not think that since violation of precepts can be repented, I will repent at the time of future violations. Pitiful people think that way. Wise people fear it is not soon enough to repent for what they have done in the past through ignorance. You must learn from the virtuous and resolve not to repeat the same mistakes. Then even the gravest of your past misconducts can be obliterated because you will not commit them again. In the future, if you cultivate only good causes, then as you amass positive deeds, your merits and virtues will increase and your negative karma naturally decrease. Therefore, the precepts must be observed. Abiding by the precepts is to eliminate unwholesome deeds and cultivate the virtuous. Not only do we need to avoid bad deeds, but we must also perform good ones. If you perform neither good nor bad deeds, then you are simply not an evil person, but it doesn't make you virtuous. If one is virtuous by merely averting misconduct, then that is too easy. One must cultivate good causes and perform good deeds to be considered a good person. The spirit of the Buddhist precepts is that you must not do anything that is unwholesome and must not avoid doing anything that is wholesome. In other words, eliminate the bad and practice the good. Without cultivating good causes, where will you gain your blessings and wisdom? Without causes, there can be no effects. Abiding by the third of the five lay precepts, to refrain from sexual misconduct is a must. By observing this precept, married couples can maintain a loving relationship, and only then would the family be harmonious and the children at peace. From a broader perspective, the entire society would benefit from improved moral standards. This is the precept of not engaging in sexual misconduct among the five lay precepts. However, what the Buddha insisted in the eight precepts and fasting is abstinence from all sexual activities. What is the rationale behind this precept. The eight precepts surpass the five precepts in reaching transcendence. When you are receiving the eight and fasting precepts, you are asked, can you uphold the precept of not having sexual activity? And you reply, yes, I can. After receiving this precept, even husband and wife must refrain from sexual activity for this entire day. When observing the precept of not performing sexual misconduct, there is no restrictions on husbands and wives. However, when observing the precept of no sexual activity 
Even married couples are prohibited from sexual engagements during this time. Otherwise, it is a breach. Why should married couples also have to abstain from sexual activity? This is because the precept is meant for monastic disciples, for transcendence, and for liberation, so that there will be no birth or death. When there is birth, there is death. In the five lay precepts, the no sexual misconduct precept prohibits sexual activities outside of marriage, but not between married couples. Why? Because it is intended for the lay people to observe humane morals. As the saying goes, ying by itself does not give rise to birth. Yang by itself does not yield growth. Therefore, existence can only originate from the joining of ying and yang. Our body is the product of three conditions, the father's sperm, the mother's egg, and our soul. In ancient times, we used to call it sperm and blood, but with modern medical knowledge, we now call it sperms and eggs. However, no explanation is given to the soul, which is beyond the comprehension of science. Sometimes, even the engagement of sperms and eggs fails to induce a pregnancy because a soul is lacking. The soul is also referred to as the spiritual nature and is called bardo in Buddhism. What exactly is bardo? It is a state of existence during the 49 days after death and before reincarnation into one of the six planes of existence. Some may wonder, don't people become ghosts after death? One becomes a ghost when one reincarnates into the realm of ghosts, which is one of the six planes. When one is still drifting in accordance with one's karma and has not arrived at any one of the six planes, it is called bardo. If the timing and conditions are right, one's karmic forces will enable the bardo to enter the mother's fetus upon conception. Without the karmic force, conception cannot happen. Strictly speaking, even married couples should not engage in sexual activities. Observing this will implant a causation to transcend beyond the cycle of rebirth and is called the practice of abstinence and purity. In so doing, there would not be birth and death of the mundane. One can only achieve liberation by cultivating pure conduct. By preventing birth, one subsequently averts death. That is what Buddhism calls no origination and no cessation. So if you do not plant the causes of birth, you will naturally not die. In Buddhism, there exists an honest and absolute truth. You must examine it intensively in order to achieve great wisdom. With this great wisdom, you will be able to break free from secular sentiments and ultimately achieve liberation. 
Without wisdom, you may also achieve liberation by nurturing your good roots through observance of the precepts, recitation of the Buddha's name, prostrations and repentance. With good roots, you naturally would not create evil karma. On the other hand, if you merely have wisdom, karmic hindrances can lead you to commit unwholesome deeds, even when you know all too well you should not, or refrain from doing good deeds, or even from joining the monastic order when you know all too well that you should. You would remain attached and unable to let go. Therefore, wisdom by itself is not enough. You must also have deep virtuous roots to be able to cultivate the righteous. Even then, karmic hindrances may render it difficult for you to cultivate. Everybody must cultivate goodness and refrain from unwholesome deeds. Otherwise, you cannot attain happiness, peace of mind, or the real benefits of practicing Buddhism, which are the intentions behind Buddhist cultivation. I hope everyone abides by the Buddha Dharma and all achieve Buddhahood.